Sunday, February the 4th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into our talk, shall we? And I'm going to be talking today about the fact that we need to base our lives on feasting with God. You will know, because, well, I hope you will know that I was missing for three months, missing in action. I'm hoping you miss me even just a little bit. Oh, thank you. That was lovely. Oh, Katie did. She did a lot of my work. She really missed me. And many of you have kindly asked about my sabbatical. And what I'm going to talk about today perhaps is the journey of my sabbatical. About perhaps kind of a little bit that I think God was doing work in me that I suspect might not just be for me. I am going to talk a bit personally. So be nice to me and maybe someone give me a coffee at the end. But many of you have kindly asked about my sabbatical. And here are a few headlines. I'm hoping you can see the pictures. This is me and my family in Austria and also in Slovenia. I discovered God's world is really beautiful, (laughs) really, really beautiful. But I also discovered that God is at work in our world in the most incredible ways. And so I think the highlight for us as a a family was to go to the 24-7 prayer conference in Vienna. Uh, We went to this amazing church that used to be a bread factory. Uh, And there were about a thousand people from across Europe and a bit further afield together, worshipping in many languages. Who knew that Waymaker was so good in Spanish? Yeah, Chris did. But it's amazing. Who knew that actually um, it's your breath in your lungs is so universally sung. We sang it in Swedish. We sang it in German. I wasn't very good at the German. I was better at the Spanish. Uh, but actually it was amazing to be together with that many people singing in so many languages and praying together. It was a brilliant conference. Both my kids lapped it up. There was no kids in youth work, so we'd promised them good food. And uh, it was absolutely brilliant to be in that environment together and to explore Vienna, which is a very beautiful place as well. We then headed uh, via car down to Lake Bled for a few days and discovered just how beautiful God's world is, even in the rain. That was a highlight for us, I think. But there were many other things I did in my sabbatical. Uh, My dad, who is here today, survived, you can see him, uh, walking 50 miles with me from Woodbridge to Southwold. It's a lot further on foot than it is in the car, friends. Um, but there's some great pubs on the way, just saying. Uh, but we did that, and actually that was really precious. I don't know if me and my dad have ever spent that long together, have we? Anyway, it was lovely, and I talked to him for four days. He loved it. Um, he's still alive. Uh, I had the privilege of taking Lucy and Sophie Lacey to uh, a conference in uh, Birmingham where we uh, worshipped with thousands of other women and they worshipped with a load of youth as well and that was amazing. I caught up with all kinds of people, some that I mentor, who it's all online so it was really lovely to meet them. Uh, two of them are there smiling away, two cats actually. Uh, one is a Baptist minister, one's an evangelist in Nottingham and it's a joy to hang out with them and there were so many many other things that were just beautiful. I got the time to walk in a way I hadn't listened to talks. I did read a lot of books um, and it was a really precious time, which I am very thankful for. 
Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, and it was. Don't get me wrong. But I'm also going to call my sabbatical the great unraveling because it was blooming hard. I love my job. I love you guys. I love being with you. It's fun. I've been here for 23 years. You guys are family to me and my family. And when you say you can have three months, you think that's great. But what am I going to do with it? And what is God going to do with me? And I said to you guys on the Sunday before I left, one of the things I want to do in my sabbatical is to just hang out with Jesus and remember why I do all of this. And I've discovered that Jesus had to do some unraveling in me so that I could feast with him. And that's kind of where we're going today. And Elizabeth is going to come and read to us from God's word to help us understand what happened in my sabbatical. Right, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it's Revelation chapter 2, reading the first seven verses. It's titled, The Message to the Church in Ephesus. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patience enduring endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent... I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favour. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Amen. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Didn't think my first talk back would be on Revelation, I have to say. Let me give you some context if you haven't read Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, and it was a uh, prophetic dream vision that somebody called John had as he was isolated on a island. Admittedly, his island was in the Mediterranean, so I don't know if I feel that sorry for him. Um, but he was isolated. He had this massive encounter with God that is a bit wild. <laughs> if you've never read it, it's great bedtime reading. And at the beginning of this book, there are a number of letters that are written to the churches of the time. And it's full of encouragements at the beginning, isn't it? 
Verse 2, I know how hard you have worked. God is saying to the church, I can see how hard you've worked. It also says, I can see that you've persevered. They're in times that are really turbulent and they have persevered with their faith. It talks about in verse 3, I know about your purity and that you're trying to live well. I know you're trying to live well. Verse 3 also says, you try to lead in a wise way with the right kind of people. You're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people and you're leading in a wise way. You've endured loads of hardships and you haven't grown weary. What wonderful encouragement. I could say that to so many of us in here. You've endured hardships and you're still going. You're still walking with Jesus. You're still here. Well done. There are brilliant encouragements. And I don't know about you, but I often wonder if God sees how hard I work. I wonder if God sees just how hard things can be for little old me. I wonder if he can see how hard we as a church work and how we love each other well. Just for a moment. Let me move on. What encouragement is God giving you today? What encouragement is God giving you today? If I was to write you a letter, what do you think I'd write in it? Oh, don't look so scared. It's okay. I wouldn't write. You're all very naughty. It's funny that we go there straight away, isn't it? Do you know what? I could write a letter to everyone in this room that would be full of encouragement. Maybe I should. I need another sabbatical to do it, but maybe I should. Because actually, not only do I get the privilege of walking with a lot of you, perhaps in a way that the rest of us don't, but I see, I see your love for Jesus. I see the way you've persevered through hard times. I've walked with some of you through the darkest of valleys. And God is saying, I see, and I know, and I want to cheer you on. I want to cheer you on. That was the first week of my sabbatical. I did this. It was sunny and hot, and I floated around on my little floaty in my pool, and God said loads of wonderful things to me about Encouraging stuff. 23 years in that church, Claire, well done. (laughs) Well done. Uh, He took me back to people and places that perhaps aren't with us now. And and we celebrated people's baptisms in my head as I floated around my pool. It was so wonderful to hear the encouragement of God and to go, do you know what? Like those first Christians receiving that letter, it was wonderful to receive some encouragement. I want us all today to know something that's encouraging. And so we're not going to rush. Let's just pause for a moment. What is God encouraging you? Maybe imagine you're on my pool in the sunshine floating around. What is God saying to you about what he sees, that he loves, that he thinks is brilliant? Claire, I'm encouraged about the hundred plus baptisms in this church whilst you've led it. What's he saying to you? 
Father God, as we still ourselves for a moment, what are you encouraging in me today? You see us. You know us. You love us. Whisper to us now something that we can hold on to that makes you smile, (laughs) even if it's just a little thing. Thank you for your words of life. Thank you that you see. Thank you that you know us. Amen. This was week one. Week two took a dark and sinister change. The sun stopped shining. It started to rain and I popped my floaty. It was a bad day. Bad day. In fact, I don't think I did. I think there was a small person involved, but neither of them are confessing. Week two, I became restless, exhausted. I missed you. I stopped sleeping, which is really unusual for me. I was waking up at two in the morning and that has never happened under my own will. I thought I'd be reading. I couldn't concentrate on a book. I felt rather snappy and deep down an anger was building that I couldn't recognize. My brain was going a million miles an hour and I was thinking about really kind of minuscule detail. It was all not very pretty. And so by the end of uh, week two, my journal was not a pretty read. It was full of things that hurt me situations past and present that have made me cross. It's not a comfortable read. I'm not going to read it to you. You would not like to read it. Well, you might do. I'm definitely not going to print it. Richard survived that week, which is miraculous. As I grew closer to God, as I stopped doing all this stuff, my brain became full of all kinds of uncomfortable things. And I thought if that happened, then God would feel really close, that I would feel like, oh my goodness, I'm in a dark place, Lord. You've promised you'll be with me. Do you know what? He went completely silent. Anyone been there? Hmm. He went completely silent. I got crosser, (laughs) but I got crosser with God as well. Did he not know I'd waited 15 years for this sabbatical? That was his moment. Now was his moment. Surely I'd done good things. You spoke all those good things last week, God. Surely, surely, surely. Now I need you to do something so I can go back and be the most efficient, holy and amazing leader Burlington has ever seen. It's quite a pressure, isn't it? Fortunately, God didn't stay silent forever. And that's also the truth that some of us need to hear today. Week three, end of week three, I went to this beautiful place in the middle of London. Uh, It's a noisy place for a retreat centre, but uh, as somebody who likes noise, this was a perfect place for me. I was on a photography retreat. Some of you know I love to take photos. And um, I'm not very good at landscapes, so I thought I'll go somewhere where I can take people photos and uh, and buildings and that kind of thing. And there was this retreat. Uh, I rocked up. Um, I definitely had the smallest camera and definitely knew the least about photography. And by the end, I realized I knew the least about God (laughs) uh, because they were amazing, the other people on this course. Um, 
But God did something absolutely stunning in this time. The retreat was led by an ex-military chaplain. He was brilliant, but slightly scary. He had the most um, efficient way of leading prayers at 6 a.m. in the morning I've ever seen. You could see his military background coming out. And uh, we weren't allowed coffee until after the prayers, so I did go. But it was the most amazing three days. In the first session, this guy who'd served uh, especially in the Gulf War as a military chaplain, who'd been wounded and lost many of his friends, talked about how, uh, in military terms, you need to retreat so you can advance. You need to retreat so that you can advance. And so you'll be on the front line, you'll be there in the midst of war, and then you will back to the safety of the barracks or wherever it is so that you can reflect, you can think about what's happened, you can grieve your losses, and you can see what the enemy is up to. You can see what the enemy is up to. Because when you're right on the front line, you don't always see what the enemy on the other side is up to. It's a brilliant picture for the Christian life. Because as we step back and we spend time in silence and reflection, as we draw near to God, we can see how that hard situation has wounded us. We can see what's been going on in a clearer way. We can understand how being on the front line as a Christian has been hard or hurtful. As we retreat, we do so knowing we will have to go back to the front line at some point, but we'll go back different because God has done something. Well, that was session one. There's like nine more sessions to go. And so a question for you. When you have a time of silence, what does your brain do? Who writes their shopping list? <laughs> Who plans a project of work because you finally caught up at two o'clock in the morning with enough headspace to do it? Who tries to think through a situation in their family? It's really hard when your brain is told to be silent because lots of things come. Or some of us, nothing comes. We just sit there going... Because actually, our brains never have the space to pause and stop. We need to retreat. And Jesus invites us every single day, just like he did, to retreat to our safe place. To head back. This isn't just something that you go, I've got to have three months to do. Every single day, the invitation from Jesus is come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Ephesians 6 reminds us we're in a battle as Christians, some of which is seen and lots of it isn't. And then Jesus' words, come to me, all who are weary, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That's exactly what Jesus did as I wumbled around London. And so there were two more days of taking photographs, being inspired by uh, this amazing chaplain guy, being filled with the rule of life as the retreat center. There was early morning prayers and there was late night prayers and there was lunchtime prayers and there was all kinds of things going on that I enjoyed. Um, but the anger was still there, right in the center of me. 
I still felt cross. I still didn't feel that peace. I still didn't think um, that I felt any healing until the last moment of the retreat. We were doing one last exercise, and I was wandering around Lowen Basin, which is um, a bit like a canal in the middle of London. And then I popped into the chapel, and this is my favourite photo I took, so I'm just showing you to boast. But I looked over at these beautiful candles representing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I had my headphones in, and I was listening to some songs on random. And this song came into this moment, and these are the words of invitation. It's quiet in this house upon a hill. You won't mind it. Some things you can't know until you're still. In the silence, let your spinning thoughts slow down. In the stillness, things have a way of working out. Allow me to introduce myself again. I'm the one that knew you before time began. I've been waiting for you to be near me, my friend. Everything you need is everything I am. I am. I am. At that moment, the invitation to me was come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. The invitation that we've just had read from the scriptures was you've lost the passion for your first love. Come back home, Claire. Allow me to be your friend. In me is everything you need. I listened to that song, I don't know, 30 times. I cried my way through it. And something that I probably have been longing for God to do for 20 years, he did in that silent moment. The anger went, the tears lost the grief, and I felt like I was just left with Jesus, my first love, the only one I really need. So, the rest of the sabbatical went all right. (laughs) It went really well. I don't know what it would have looked like if God hadn't done that moment. I think I would have got angrier. I don't think you would have liked me back. I don't think Rich would still be here. Why am I telling you this highly personal experience? You might go, oh, lovely story, Claire. Great picture. I believe we all need these moments. It's one of the reasons why we run a wholehearted course that is going on at the moment on a Wednesday. Life is so busy, friends. doesn't matter. People retire and get busier, it seems, in my life. doesn't matter what you're doing. It's busy, isn't it? The other thing is, and Jesus told us this, life's hard. In this world, you will have trouble. Anyone testify to that? Okay, the rest of you are liars. Life can be really hard. We will have trouble. And if we don't, we know someone who really does, don't we? And we often get involved in their lives so we can help. I want you to know that there is a father who's saying, well done. That there is a father who sees, sees how you really are 
and still says, come to me, or you are weary, and I will give you rest. And we don't need a three-month sabbatical to do this. The invitation is, come to me. I am your first love. I loved you before time began. And if you do absolutely nothing for me, other than sit and be with me, that's fine. I don't want you to rush around doing for me without being with me, is the invitation that God gives to us. We need to rediscover the joy of just hanging out with God. He invites us on an adventure. And as we do, we discover that he isn't a far-off deity who doesn't understand our lives, but actually one who is so involved and ingrained in our lives that he has so much to say and so much to offer us in terms of healing and restoration and hope. One of my favorite walks I did was around Pinmill with Jesus, and I giggled in public on this walk because I was listening to music and I just experienced the love of God. When was the last time you sat down with God and had a good giggle? That's a challenge maybe for us all. There's a lot more laughing in the Bible than you want to know. In a moment, we're going to listen to that song because I love it. It's personal to me, but I think there are some words in there that all of us need to hear. And we're then going to move in to sharing communion together. I wonder if you're prepared to retreat so that you can advance. You can't stand on the front line forever without being wounded or even killed. We need to retreat to the safe place. We need to come back to the table that God has set for us. We need to retreat and be with God to discover who he is again and to see who we are, the way he's made us. So I wonder what it means for you today to return to your first love. Perhaps there's something really practical you could do, like phone a friend and say, Claire said something that got me. Will you come and meet me and pray with me today? Maybe you want a cup of tea with God on your own. Maybe you want to do a walk with God. Maybe take someone else with you if you're struggling, because actually... We're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're in this together. Perhaps you need to recommit to listening to some worship music before you do anything else in the day. I don't know what it is for you to retreat, but my encouragement is you find your way and you have a go at it this week, whatever that looks like. We've done a lot in the last six months, haven't we, about silence. I'm rubbish at silence, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. So maybe it's your reminder out of all we did last term. I say we, I've listened to the podcast. I know what Simon said. Uh, All about listening and being silent. Maybe you need to go back to some of that and think about how you can make space for silence this week. Perhaps you don't know God is your first love and you're sat here going, I I like what you're saying, Claire, but I've never really encountered God like that doesn't matter how long you followed him. Sometimes you might have just been doing good stuff for him. And perhaps you haven't encountered him in the way that I'm saying, well, today, perhaps come and see one of us with the lanyard and we'd love to talk to you or pray with you about that. And just say, let me introduce you to this God who knows you and sees you and loves you. Let's just have a moment of silence.
might want to get yourself nice and comfy. Don't look at whoever's next to you. Have a think about what I've been saying. What caught your attention? But most of all, as we listen to this song, let's invite our first love to just come and meet us right now. You might not feel anything. That's okay. You might feel a lot. There might be tears. There might be uh, just a moment where you just feel God's presence with you. Your heart might beat a bit faster. Or you might just sit there enjoying the lyrics of the song and know that that's God speaking to you through this song. But Lord, I'm asking that you take our invitation to come and meet with us seriously right now. We invite you to not just be with us and fill our heads with more knowledge, but to literally come and meet with us right now. You loved us before time began. You know who we are. You know how many hairs are on my head. And you love me. Let's hear the invitation to be with him.